Good morning to all here in Winston-Salem and surrounding continents. I'm John Ray, and you are listening to Mr. Haircut, the podcast about improvisation and stuff. With me as always is my trusty bodyguard and man friend, Jonathan Green. Today's show will be the second half of our conversation and improv session with Ryan Hugh, an amazing guitarist here in town. In episode six, we got into a conversation about what I called emotive energy, and where we left off, I was making a very uncoordinated assertion that emotive energy is a unifying force that musicians use to communicate with an audience and vice versa. As always, if you have questions or comments or things you want us to talk about, please send them to us in poem form at mrhaircut.org. At the end of the episode is a recording from a live show Jonathan and I played recently with our band RK3. Also, all the music from the show is on our website, and you can download it for free. Even if you don't like the music, you can download it for free and give it to someone you don't like. But either one you choose, it's not going to cost you a dime. Now let's get back into the conversation. But first... We assume that we share we share a universe, that we share a world, right? Um, and we have to sort of assume that we all sort of look at the world uh, the same way, generally, or else um, we don't really have any grounds of agreement about anything, right? And then once we say, okay, we all have this share world, we can make observations. My problem is, is once we get past that assumption, I'm not making the same observation about this emotive energy as you are. I guess that's why the conversation is the way it is at the moment. Yeah. So past all those initial assumptions, how do we get past something that's necessarily experiences necessarily first person? How do we get past that first person to the point where we have something that we can talk about and maybe agree on? So because we, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> I because I agree again. This is so trivial. I agree that we convey emotions and meaning and. Uh, and concepts to other people. We do it all the time. We're doing it right now. We're do, we do it through movies. We do it through music. We do it through arguments. You know, communication is a thing. But I would never say that there is this sort of common pool of energy that we all pull from to do all of that work. Is it just emotion? Is it is it not intellectual as well? I mean, what are the bounds of this um, this thing that is just something that allows us to communicate in general? Um. Uh, so I'm going to jump back a little bit. You said something a second ago. Um, so we can analyze this in other people by analyzing the way societies, the way religions all interact and where they come from. So um, if you if you kind of take a step back and look at world religions, they are all about something and they all call it something different. But they're all essentially the same. You know, they all have basically the same message if you break down every one of them the message is be good to each other you know it's it's 
You, you see it's, this look on my face, right? I see, I see it. Yeah, okay. you're intimidating me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, the message is love. And love is another thing that science hasn't touched on at all. It's kind of off limits to scientists, it seems like. So love... I have I'm, so let me finish this thought. Sure. So my argument is that love is an expression of this energy, that this energy is the medium of love and all emotion, but that one in particular. Okay. And, and I would jump on and say that, once again, I don't see y'all disagreeing so much here. I think you're saying, you know, our, uh, um, you asked John if, if this energy is, is our thought process, is our communication as well. And I would say that y'all are, he's saying that, it, you know, we're, we're physical beings with our, you know, our brains and our ability to understand things and, we live in a physical realm, but we also, ha- it's on top of, it's not instead of, you know? Yeah. Right, um, right. But my thing is, all right, so as far as love goes, science doesn't have anything to, it's not the sciences doesn't have anything to say about love. First of all, how do you define love? That's the first important part. What are you talking about? Are you talking about attraction? Are you talking about connection? Are you talking about the, um, series of decisions in one in one's life that um, leads them to commit to one person for uh, a specific period of time or for the rest of their lives is it is it the drive that makes someone nostalgic for someone else once we start to um, define things more clearly then I think it's a mistake to say that first of all may, okay let's I'll, let's for the sake of argument said let science, science excuse me science has nothing to say about it I'll grant you that. That doesn't mean that in our in science's stead, we get to sort of, I mean, we can go off of our impressions and, and form our own opinions, but that doesn't make our opinions right, just because there is not an answer. You know, I I would rather just say I don't know. It's nice to think about than to to kind of form this whole basis of this energy, which still can't, in, in according to your own words, be demonstrated physically or measured um, to, and then, because this is exactly what, you want to talk about world religions, this is exactly what religions do. They say, this is the world that we live in. We, we, I wonder where all of this stuff comes from. Here's this extraneous other thing that explains it or can explain what all of these things have in common. And, and most religions called that God, other religions called it other things, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't see how this conversation is any different from those religions doing that. It's not, except I'm trying to do it in non-religious terms. Yeah, yeah, but apart from the terms, the function of what you're doing is is the same. Right, but, and and I've kind of, for a few years now, this has kind of been my mission in life is to, to figure out a way to do this, and I haven't obviously made much progress with it, but I believe, um, I'm not asserting that I'm right about anything, I'm saying that I believe mm-hmm. that there is this energy, which is a thing that can be defined, that can be measured, although we don't know how to do it yet. Um, that permeates our world and that it can be defined spiritually. We can call it God. We could call it Allah. We could call it, you know, there's a million different words for it in a million different languages, Um, but that it is a thing. And I think that there are people who experience what you're talking about 
And in a way that you, Jonathan, would say it is just that person's experience, so it it doesn't make it real because it's just an experience. But I think there are people who would say the experience is real. May and, I, can I that, correct a little bit of that? I'm sure. not saying that the experience is real. I'm saying it isn't real or not. That's not a, a problem for me to accept. My thing is the interpretation of that experience. My thing is, can be they be wrong about what was there or not? Not that they experience, because I'll give grant any f- fantastical amount of uh, people claims experience. Like There are so many claims that people say, okay, I've done this or I've experienced that or I've seen bright lights or I, I felt this or I felt connection and oneness or, or whatever. I'll grant you all that. Right. My thing is because we're not perfect. And that's why I'm so comfortable with I don't know. I know I can't know everything. So I also grant that you can't. And when I when I say that I can be wrong about things, that also extends to everyone else. So I'm not saying that you didn't experience something. I'm just saying that you could be mistaken about what that was. That's all. Sure. And I think uh, God, that just made me think about when we were talking about, oh, I was mentioning other superstar musicians in this town and how sometimes I can feel intimidated by them. Bring it back to music, by the way, mm, yeah. you know, getting, uh, overwhelmed by things that I don't understand. Let's say I'm sitting in with you guys or something, you know, I feel like I'm in over my head, but I can feel confident, um, or at peace with the things I do know and being in a place where there are things that I don't know. Right. I think this brings us back to improvisation. That's what improv is, sure. is, mm-hmm. is, uh, dealing with the things that you do know mm-hmm. and bridging them to the things that you don't know. Sure. And, and I'm not getting away from the, from talking about, uh, your emotive energies at all. I think that's the no. same thing where yeah. there's the known and there's the unknown and right. there's some sort of a in between that right. I think is, is a real place as well i agree and i also think that coming back to the musical side i don't think that the same sort of thing works i think when you talk about sort of real issues like empirical stuff it's important to kind of understand what you know what you don't know but when you're jamming with people and something needs to happen like a song needs to result and like you're you're on stage and you've never played with those guys before you cannot you don't have the luxury of not knowing right you're in a situation where you have to make something happen so you don't have sort of this default position of like i'm just going to sit on the fences because you're being relied on at that moment mm-hmm. by the people around you to mm-hmm. figure or make it up mm-hmm. so um, that was just my two cents on it
So what? Um, what start? What, uh, what made me start thinking about all this and kind of start putting together my own definitions of what this is in my head? Um, I had the honor of sitting in with the Allman Brothers five or six years ago at a festival in Florida, and this was the first time I'd been. You know, we were playing. It was twenty five, thirty thousand people there, um, and for the whole, you know, for the entire first part of the show. Um, I was standing on stage right beside the drums and, you know, watching my hero, O'Teal, out front, you know, just playing for these this mass of people as far as you could see. Um, and the experience, uh, first of all, I was dead sober. I, I felt, you know, more alive than I ever have in my life. I was, I feel like I was experiencing things more clearly than I ever have. And the it was it was almost the energy. So let's abandon definitions here for a minute. Um, the energy was so present. There was so much energy there that it was almost tangible. It was almost like I could see it, you know. And and watching watching these two you know amazing drummers and then this whole band out in front of me was like they were taking all of this energy that was brought by this mass of people and just like. You know, <clears throat> it's hard to. There's not words for all this. They were taking it in, and putting their soul into it, and projecting it back out on this huge mass of people. Um. And then the and then the people were recycling it, you know, absorbing all that and projecting it back to the crowd. It was like it was like I was in the middle of a hurricane, and there was so much energy there it was you know it was hard to sure i couldn't not start thinking about what it is and yeah and and i i want to kind of cycle you back to a conversation that we had at carmine's where sort of this started between uh, yeah. the two of us you mentioned i think mob dynamics at one point yeah so yeah. can you talk about that for a minute so i feel like this is that's the same experience that happens in a mob so a mob might start as a bunch of angry people all angry about the same thing and then things can escalate very quickly to violence. Um, and people have studied this, and they've studied why it happens. And um, I know you know probably more than I do about this, so I can't talk intelligently about no, it. No, <laughs> no, um, not at all. Actually, I don't, I don't know uh, that much about sociology. I wish I knew more. Um, but I was gonna. I wondered if Ryan had anything to talk about or add to what he just said. Comments, um, questions. I, I mean, I think what you were getting at, John, was just that there, um, beyond you being starstruck on that stage, mm -hmm. and beyond there being a mob of people there, yeah. and beyond there being uh, loud noises and good music, you're saying that 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 was all stuff that was there. Uh, you were in Florida. You're in a place with a bunch of people doing a thing, mm -hmm. but there was also something else happening that was, you know, I'm going to use the word supernatural because I think that makes sense to everyone here. So, you know, it's a super, it's an other thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, that I, kn I know happens in music. And I think maybe that's why we're musicians is because playing music can be, for us, the, the fastest way or the most... Uh, the way that we know how to to have that feeling or experience is is through music where I think it does happen in just conversations with people or 
just any interactions. I think it usually happens in my experience with people though. Like in isolation, uh, I feel like I'm not as likely to have an experience quite like that. I mean, I think that, you know, going into your own head is valuable, but I feel like usually when you get around people is when you have that sort of thing happen. And, and especially when you're around people with music is when you have, I don't know, something happens. And that's, to me, that's why people go to big concerts. You know, that's why I used to go see the Allman Brothers as a kid. And that's why I went is because I could be a part of that mob. I could be a part of that huge group of people all feeling the same way and all sharing these emotions. Um, and, you know, that people have always done that throughout history. People have always congregated together and shared things. You know, maybe a thousand years ago it was like, lynchings or you know i mean it's it's, all, it's been for different reasons but people have a, this desire to get together and to share and to i think communicate via this energy to share emotions yeah i think that's what makes us human you know and you were talking about um world religions doing you know doing bad things or interpreting an experience in a way that would lead you to do something that's bad but i i think that that's just you know, people being imperfect and making bad decisions. But I think just at the very base level of having the experience, not what you do with it, but just having it, you know, it, it happens to everybody. So I feel like, I, th- I think, if you'll excuse, um, I'm going to try to reconcile what we're talking about a little bit. Good. I think, so in your wind analogy, uh-huh. I don't think emotion or the sea of emotion is the thing. Okay. I think we are. So if if something is being moved, I think it's us that's being moved. In what sense? The same sense that um, moving currents generate um, electricity that can be converted to force. Uh, we are electrons, um, and and the way that we work in that sort of emergent hurricane type of thing is the thing that generates the energy that you're talking about. I don't think, I think that we are the medium. What are electrons? I mean, when you, when you break us down to our smallest parts, what are we made of? I don't know. Well, a lot of the current theories are that we are energy. That matter is energy. Yeah. Um, matter only turns into energy when it goes to the speed of light squared. Well, I'm talking about when you take matter apart to its smallest pieces. Um, a quark. Yeah, but, but, but what a quark quarks? Is, a Even, quark isn't energy. It's a, fun, it's a foundational particle. What, at that point, you go beyond energy. Like So energy... I'm trying to stop myself because I'm doing a little self-censorship here. Can you just keep talking? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the predominant theory that I've read, I'm, I'm not a physicist as a disclaimer. I have no idea what I'm talking Your about. Your beard kind of makes you look like a physicist. Okay. Well, that's what counts then. Um, so, but I have read a little bit, you know, some Brian Greene, like some physics for layman's type things. Um, and string theory is one of the predominant theories right now. Mm-hmm. And what string theory asserts is that the, there isn't a basic particle, that there is not a basic thing of matter, mm. that it is energy itself that makes up the things, that well, it is just vibration. Sure. Um, and so uh, the way I see it, that energy 
you know, we are nothing but vibration and, and that, so we are this energy that I'm talking about this, I'm going to call it emotive energy again is interacts with us on such a small level that it's literally interacting with our, the things that make up our atoms, you know, um, that we are literally just a part of this, that we are a different frequency of vibration than this. like science ryan i love science you like this stuff do you ever like watch nova or national national geographic uh discovery channel i did you know that stuff? i'm kind of i'm a i yeah i love it yeah um i don't pretend to be very well read and well neither and, do i i think those two stephen hawking's books are one of or two of four or five science books i've ever read really apart from like textbooks mm-hmm. and i like um yeah, I, I, I was always a big uh, – I'm a stargazer. I love to go outside and look at stars. Sure. So I, I'm really big into anything regarding, you know, the, the universe. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you were talking about realizing the more you look, you know, how, how little mm-hmm. you actually understand. And, you know, just look at the universe. It's, you go there really quickly, you know. Yeah, and yeah. anybody – what I like about stargazing is that you can have a fancy telescope and you can look up really closely at stars but it's accessible to everybody and yeah anybody can just walk outside on a clear night and have the same view um you don't need fancy equipment really to appreciate right. it at whatever level you're able to appreciate it you know whether you think it's just you know whatever fireflies or if you th- or if you know more it's it's the same it's the same sky and uh i think that's a cool thing you know and it's funny that we are 
under the same sky when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. Yet we are looking at things almost completely differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. You, I feel like we look at things the same and you've added a step. Yeah. I, I feel like none of us have really disagreed with each other right. throughout all this. Right. Um, this is a difficult concept. And the reason I like talking about it with you is because you approach it from a much more practical definitive side. Um, and I've, I've just always been content with my experience. Of sure. It. Yeah. Um, and I'm also to echo something you said earlier, uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that I don't understand any of this and that I don't know and probably never will know. Like, uh, just like quantum theory. I'm, m- my ambition is not to be a physicist. Uh, I am happy to not mm. understand that. I'm happy to say, you know, this is well, the world and I don't understand it, but I can appreciate it. But for for the purposes of this podcast and for the, the purposes of being an improvising musician, I want to understand this particular aspect, this particular energy, as well as possible, because I feel like that's what we do. So do you think that an understanding of this uh, hypothetical energy will actually help you play, be a better musician? Because at some point, doesn't it have to be okay if, if this energy exists? Are there practical applications of that will... Um, allow me to be a better uh, communicator of this energy or a better conduit for this energy? Sure. Although I don't know, I don't have any idea of what they are yet. Right. Uh, just like learning any science, you know, we learned a lot about gravity. It just, you know, through our knowledge of gravity, we are able to have all kinds of practical applications, sure. like putting satellites in orbit. Um, and so I don't have a clue what the practical applications of this will be in 500 years when we do understand it right. scientifically. Um, as far as being a musician and now and our purposes, um, I don't know that there are any practical applications, none that I can think of. Other than playing the bass. Other than playing the bass, <laughs> yeah. I, would, I mean, and I would, you know, every time I've ever seen you play the bass, you know, you're up there on stage, and I know that you're talented. I can see your fingers doing wiggly things that confuse me and but then you you just also sort of exude you know jonathan's not going to like this but an energy that i can i can feel and it's is fine it, is it, words <laughs> don't hurt me <laughs> he didn't like it at all you tell he he bitterness like there yeah. full of anger oh my god but you know big I, angry black man yeah, yeah. Right. oh you're black i couldn't tell he's not he's a little white guy it's because i know science I thought it was just because we were in a basement. It was kind of... Oh, because this is a house and not a jail cell. (laughs) Thanks for for saying what I was afraid to say. Yeah, that was my next sentence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, the whole talk of of things that are above our intellectual prowess here to really talk about and to tie it back into improvisation, which I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's, it's all about being content not necessarily comfortable but content um living in the edge of what you do know and what you don't know Mm -hmm. and knowing and striving to know more or striving for say more technique or if you're a musician to learn more tunes and to be more versatile and that's just called maturing and growing up and and likewise we do that with our knowledge of our communities and the natural world around us Mm -hmm. and i think it all what I love about music and talking like this is that we can be talking about atoms or gravity or 
wind, or we can be talking about friendships, mm-hmm. or we can be talking about music, and it all just seems to come from the same place, doesn't right. it? Like this, it's the mm-hmm. same talk. We, yeah. we, we've changed topics thirty times, but right. it's right. been the same kind of talk. I yeah. think that all of that that you said sounds amazing. If you're a sort of a mature musician, um, I think that contentment can be a dangerous thing if that contentment breeds complacency. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like and and also the willing willingness to learn, not just being comfortable with what you know and what you don't know, but being shown um when you're wrong and um being willing to because you know everybody is play with musicians that will assert the wrong chord. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and what's I the think result I did that during our intro jam a few <laughs> but, times. But depending on um the situation that can be I don't like deadly when it comes to the spirit. I put up quotations mm-hmm. of a jam of a song, right? Yeah. So if you if that happens, then there's a problem. It's not this whole like flowery every like goodness and being content and this experiential emotional thing. It's now there is a there is something happening that can derail something beautiful. And that's why I said you can't just be comfortable all right. the time because when you're comfortable making mistakes, then you're then that's a problem because you, you should work to iron out your your mistakes. And we were talking earlier about um, recording yourself and listening back to right. your performances. I mean, mm-hmm. We should all be doing that. But I guess that's why I was trying to draw right. a difference between being comfortable I, in that and being content and yeah. saying, guess what? I'm a person who makes mistakes, but right. I'm content. Because I know that, A, I have a desire to learn more, right. a desire to get better, and I also know that I'm in a community of people who, you know, yeah. are going to help encourage me and, and, to, and to help me on my path, you no. know? I want to quote John here, um, one of the first conversations that I had with him, because he, John is a little fearless to me on stage, like he'll just go for stuff, and <laughs> I am in my brain a lot. And I'm like, dude, how do you play like that? Like, how do you just come up with stuff? It's like, yeah. I mean, don't you ever, like, mess up or worry about messing up? It's like, I make mistakes all the time. You know, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. You know, my goal is not to make the same mistake twice. You know, so, and I really took that to heart. And so now I, I mess up a lot more because I take more chances.
So let's uh we should probably wrap it up and do another jam. Okay. Um but that was a great conversation, guys. Thanks for talking with me about stuff. Yeah, I've got a lot of books to go read. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And uh, sign up for our mailing list. And please sign up for our mailing list because that's how you know about Mr. Haircut stuff. We don't even know about Mr. Haircut stuff. I didn't no. even know Ryan was going to be on the show until yeah. late last night. And well, three of us haven't met Mr. Haircut yet. None of us have even seen this guy. No, I don't well, even. Part know of me wonders is, really. if Mr. Haircut is even a physical being, or if it's more of a—he's more of an emotive energy. Right. He's—he's he's just a concept. You know what? I—I <laughs> I like that. I like that. Mr. Haircut is emotive energy, or at least he hails from the land of emotive energy. Mm. Mm-hmm. That alternate universe. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Mr. Haircut. Right. Oh, Mr. Haircut. Mr. Haircut. Mr. Haircut. <laughs> Mr. Haircut. <laughs> Thank you, Miyagi. Uh, this is I'm Ray Nilla again, and this is Dayjilla. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for coming. Yeah, dude. And it's great. I'm glad you came. I am also glad that I came. I'm glad that you're glad about that because that makes me glad on the inside your your emotive feelies are just really tickling the bottom of my pelvis pelvis i put emotive <laughs> pills in your coffee this morning is that what it was about, yeah. oh that's what happened it's about now yeah. it's just about an hour and a half too bad Thanks for listening to Mr. Haircut. I'm proud of you for making it through this long episode. Good work, listener. Your reward is this live recording of our band RK3 from a recent show here in Winston-Salem. The tune is called Afro Blue and features Russell Kelly on guitar. You can download all of this music as well as watch videos and stream the podcast from our website, mrhaircut.org. We'll see you next time, and don't forget to brush your teeth.
<laughs> I'm sorry. So the, one of the first things that I ever remember <laughs> about listening to the podcast uh, was how unprofessional it was to eat in front of a fucking microphone. <laughs> and as soon as you hit record, it's like... So it was the time that I made you biscuits. Yeah, I remember that time, clearly. I think about it often with fondness. <laughs> well, it's happening again. But with blueberry breakfast biscuits. <laughs> like like English, but like cookies, not actual biscuits. <laughs> yeah, this morning, my big black drummer, man friend. Why do I always have to be the big black blank? Because <laughs> this is the radio, and otherwise they don't have a clear idea of what what you look like. It's not the radio, it's the internet. <laughs> How old are you? Let's go turn on our radios. Oh my god! Tune in to Mister Haircut this week on the radio. God, did you hear we had we have like a fifth channel on TV now? <laughs> Do you think that moon landing last week was real? <laughs> no way. It didn't even look like cheese. Oh my god.